You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. So often we fail to involve God in our plans. How many times have you rushed out to do something without consulting with God? How many times have we rushed out in to do something, even ministry, without consulting if it's what God wants for us? And we get ourselves into trouble sometimes when we do that. We get ourselves into trouble when we rush out, not consulting God, thinking it's the Lord, and we just rush out and we do this. Abner schemed his way into the battle, and now he was trying to scheme his way out. And it's so sad that the Lord wasn't given time to lead and guide this group. It's so tempting to rush about your life, making decisions, choosing your path. Even if you're trying to do ministry, it's all too easy to rush in and start working. Today, Pastor Dave will encourage you to pause, stop and seek the Lord, discern His will for this moment in your life. As He guides you, He will empower you. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 2. As he continues his message, David begins a dark path. David seemed to have a right to crush everything that was in his way. But once again, we see great patience of David. David waited upon the Lord. David waited patiently for the Lord to do the work that he was going to do. Out of trust and respect for the Lord and respect for Saul's memory, he left this kid alone. I think it shows great patience. So as we come now to verses 12 through 17, we see that Abner foolishly challenges David's army. Let's read 12 through 17. Now Abner, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishkobeth, and the son of Saul, went out from Manahim to Gibeon. And Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and the servants of David, went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. So they sat down, one on one side of the pool, and the other on the other side of the pool. Then Abner said to Joab, let the young men now arise and compete before us. And Joab said, let them arise. So they arose and went over by number, 12 from Benjamin, followers of Ishkabeth, the son of Saul, and 12 from the servants of David. And each one grasped his opponent by the head and thrust his sword into his opponent's side, so they fell down together. Therefore the place is called Field of the Sharp Swords, which is in Gibeon. So there was a very fierce battle that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. What a strange thing. That's really strange. Some of this stuff is bizarre to me. I'm sorry. They go out there and they meet, and it's almost like they challenge each other. It's almost like the bully on the block challenged the young kid to a duel. It's crazy. The people honored David. They honored him above Saul. And eventually they would learn that David would be God's choice for king. But Abner's appointment of Saul's son as king over Israel was basically a declaration of war. It basically was a declaration of war against Judah. All of Israel except Judah with him, and he felt he could easily defeat David's army. He had confidence in one person and one person only, himself. He didn't have confidence in the Lord. He didn't have confidence. When you're self-reliant, when you have confidence only in yourself, I can guarantee there's going to be some trouble. 
I can guarantee you're going to have some problems when you think you need to worry about yourself first and everything else later. Confidence in self gets you into trouble, especially when you're fighting against God. Little did Abner know, or maybe he did know, he wasn't fighting David, he was fighting against God. The other character in this play, if you want to say it, is Joab. He is David's nephew. Now, he may be on the side of David, there's not a lot to admire about this guy. This guy's going to turn out to be a real cruel and difficult person. But he's tough as nails. He's the kind of guy I want arming, being general of my army. He was tough. I think David just tolerated him, to tell you the truth, because he had tremendous devotion to David. And he was an extremely strong fighter. But David never really felt comfortable with him because of the nature of everything that he did was against David's being. So what we read is not at all pleasant or commendable. And, but it does show us one thing. It just shows us how corrupt men can be. It shows us the corruption of men. The armies meet, and they're sitting there opposite this pool. And they said, let's get 12 from each side. We'll have a battle. Winner take all. 12 from each side. Come on, let's get up there. And we'll have a great battle. This is like a sporting match. I wonder if they wagered on it. I mean, it's really bizarre when you think about it. It's really, it shows the foolishness of man. Where, where was God in all this? Where was God in any of this? It's, it's surprising that anybody won, which they really didn't at this time. The battlefield is named the field of sharp edges or the field of daggers. This escalates into a giant battle. They kill each other. These 12 men all stab each other at the same time and they all fall dead. This is bizarre. It really is bizarre. And then it escalates into a giant battle, and Moab and his men jump up, and Abner and his men, they all jump up, and Joab began to prevail. And the men of David prevail over those of Abner, and they start to run away. This leads out to an all-out battle between Abner's army and Joab's army. And it's, even the scripture says, a fierce battle ensued. A very, very fierce battle ensued. And we know that Abner is defeated. Let's look at 18 through 23. Now the three sons of Zeruiah were Joab, Abishai, and Ashiel. And Ashiel was sleet of foot as a wild gazelle. That dude was fast. He could run, man, like a wild gazelle. He was fleet of foot. I like that. So Abishel pursued Abner. And in going, he did not turn to the right or to the left from following Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and said, Are you Ashiel? He answered, I am. Then Abner said to him, turn aside to your right hand or to your left and lay hold onto one of the young men and take this armor for yourself. But Ashel would not turn aside from following him. So Abner said again to Ashel, turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I face your brother Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck him in the stomach with the blunt of the spear so that the spear came out of his back. He fell down there and died on the spot. And it was that as many as came to the place where Abishel fell down and died, stood still. So this poor young, little young fleet of foot gazelle chasing after Abner. It's almost as if Abner didn't want to kill him. It's almost as if Abner saying, don't follow me. Don't follow me. I don't want your brother Joab to be mad at me. I don't want to give him any more reason to hunt me down. I don't want this to happen. It was a fierce battle. We see these brothers, and, and, and we know that this is from David's sister, Zerulah. 
He goes after him. I don't know why. I guess he felt that he was close enough to the general, and you know the rule. If you kill the general, the battle's over. If you kill the king, the battle's over. So he thought maybe he could kill this guy. We don't know why he sought him out. It doesn't tell us. But maybe he was sent by Joab, or maybe he just went on his own. But we know he was a fast dude, like the speed of the gazelle. It doesn't appear that Abra had any desire to kill the poor kid, but this kid was persistent. Abra tells him to stop following him, to go away. He reminds him that if I kill you, a blood feud's going to start. But didn't stop. So the way the wording is, it seems like Abner was running, stopped short, and the kid ran into the spear. That's what it appears to be. It results in his death. It results in his death. Well, let's see what follows. Let's look at 24 through 32. Joab and Abishai, who also pursued Abner, and the sun was going down when they came on the hill of Amma, which is in Geba, by the road of the wilderness of Gibeon. Now the children of Bedrin gathered together behind Abner and became a unit and took their stand on top of a hill. Then Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the latter end? How long will it be then until you tell your people to return from pursuing their brethren? And Joab said, As God lives, unless you have spoken, surely then by morning all the people would have given up pursuing their brethren. So Joab blew the trumpet, and all the people stood still and did not pursue Israel anymore, nor did they fight anymore. Then Abner and his men went all through the night, through the plain, crossed over to Jordan, went through all Bithron, and they came to Manaheim. So Joab returned from pursuing Abner, and when he had gathered all the people together, there was missing of David's servants, 19 men, and Ashiel. But the servants of David had struck down of Benjamin and Abner's men, 360 men who died. Then they took up Ashiel and buried him in his father's tomb, which was in Bethlehem. And Joab and his men went all night, and they came to Hebron the next day. Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, but David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Abner calls for a truce. I think he knows he's going to be beaten, so he calls for this truce. He's rescued by his troops, and he retreats. He knew if he lost the battle, everything was going to be gone, so he calls for a truce. The entire battle could have been avoided if Abner had allowed the Lord to be involved. Abner refused to let the Lord be involved. He initiated the battle himself, so he was to blame for the mess that it created. You know, so often we fail to involve God in our plans. How many times have you rushed out to do something without consulting with God? How many times have we rushed out in to do something, even ministry, without consulting if it's what God wants for us? And we get ourselves into trouble sometimes when we do that. We get ourselves into trouble when we rush out, not consulting God, thinking it's the Lord, and we just rush out and we do this. Abner schemed his way into the battle, and now he was trying to scheme his way out. And it's so sad that the Lord wasn't given time to lead and guide this group. Folks, when we lean on our own understanding, when we follow after our own ways and forge our own paths, trouble's not that far away. We, we can't do that. We've got to wait for God. We've got to wait and see what he's done. People come to me with a problem, or they come to me with a problem about a person. And right away, they expect me to take the person back to the woodshed and give them 90 lashes. But I don't, and then they get angry, and they go, why? I said, well, I'm giving a chance for the Holy Spirit to work. I'm giving a chance for God to guide, God to lead. I don't want to jump in the middle of something. 
I've told you this before. If you jump in where God's not guiding, God's going to deal with you first before he deals with the other person. Your choice. I, I just think we need to wait for the Lord. We need to wait and not forge our own paths. Go back and read all the scripture that talks about the paths, especially in Proverbs. We're not to forge our own path. There seems a way right to a man. The end is death. Abner, who's fearing for his life now, calls to the brothers, it's going to continue forever if we don't stop. All right. Did he have Israel's best interest? Did he have Judah's best interest? Or was he worried about himself being killed? I think he just wanted to save his own skin. It stopped the bloodshed on both sides. It kept Abner alive for a while. If you've read ahead, you know what's coming. It was Joab who blew the trumpet, stopped the fighting. He knew that David wanted the unified nation. He knew that David wanted the peace. The end result, Joab, 360 men killed. Abner, 19. I think Joab won the battle. I think he was the victor. But as we look at verse 3 and 1, it says a long war was started. It was a long war. So, it's so wrong for Joab to accept that first bait that Abner put out there for him. This first bait, he should have just walked away. The fact that they couldn't just get along and there had to be no peace between them because David was the rightful king. He wasn't a pretender to the throne, but Ishmoseth was. The ceasefire seemed to make things better, but in reality it only made things worse. And we have a long, long war, which we'll look at. And it doesn't go well for Abner. I can tell you right now, it doesn't go well for Abner. Our buddy Gusick said this, when we try to make peace between King Jesus and the king's self within us, the result is a long, bitter war. It is so much better to simply surrender and submit to the reign of Jesus in our hearts. And as I studied, as I said, we can't end this. We can't end this message here. There has to be something more. So I, I kind of prayed about it. I thought, okay, Lord, what is he talking about here? And I was led to the Apostle Paul when he writes in Romans 7, specifically, I have the verses marked here, 23 and 24. In Romans 7, 23 and 24, Paul's talking about the law, he's talking about sin. He's talking about his want to do and can't do and the will I want to do, I can't do, what I don't want to do, I do all the time. You know the scriptures. And he comes to 23, he says, but, but he says, no, in 22, he says, for I delight the law of God according to the inward man. In 23, he says, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is my members, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. Body of death. Paul cries out this body of death. Have you ever cried out like Paul? Have you ever cried out like Paul? Have you come to the same point in your life that, that Paul is? Have you realized the weakness of your flesh? Have you truly realized the weakness of... Abner didn't realize the weakness of his flesh. Abner didn't realize that. Have you realized the failure of the flesh? The inability to perform the good which, which God wants you to? And, and the nagging weakness and those things that you didn't want to do? What I want to do, I can't do. What I don't want to do, I do all the time, Paul says. He's finally realizing the failure of his flesh. He's finally coming to the realization that his flesh is totally weak. 
and he has absolutely no control over it. Oh, my. And he cries out in despair, oh, wretched man that I am. And I'll tell you, this verse right here was so powerful for me when I was a first Christian. I had this strange idea when I was first saved that I wouldn't sin. I had a strange idea that for some reason, I don't even know where I got it. It wasn't taught to me, but I had a strange idea that I would be sinless. And the first time I did, I was all upset. And I was like Paul, I was crying. And then I read this and I said, wait a minute. Oh, wretched man that I am, he wrote that. This is Paul, writer of the two-thirds of the New Testament. He's not saying, oh, wretched man that I was until I accepted Christ. Oh, wretched man that I am. This is present tense. And everything lifted from me. And I realized what he was trying to say. Now, if you're like me, and you come to the point of Paul, sometimes I come to the point of Paul and I go, oh, wretched man that I am. How can I deliver myself from this mess? I want to be the deliverer of myself. My strong flesh says, we can do this, Dave. Come on, hang with me, pal. We'll get this done. Oh, wretched man that I am, how can I deliver me? How can I deliver me from this miserable state? And I start to plug gaps. I'm like the little boy at the dike. One finger here, one finger there, a toe over here, a nose over here. Trying to plug the holes. I, one scheme doesn't work. Well, I'm going to try another scheme. And I go back and forth. Sometimes I think, well, I'm just going to count to 10. Yeah, that works. I'll just stop and think first. Yeah, what would Jesus do? Yeah. I have all these great self-help methods in my mind. You go into Christian bookstores, and what's sad is there's as many self-help books for Christians as there is for non-Christians, or maybe more. All these self-help books for Christians when we have the greatest self-help book in front of us. How can I live successful in a carnal Christian life? I can't. I can't. Oh, wretched man that I am. And when you come to this, when you come to this point of really realizing it, you cry out like Paul, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? Who shall deliver me? Because you give up finally of trying to do it yourself. You finally come to the end of that long, long, arduous road of constantly trying to get done, trying to get by. Even Christians, trying to do it yourself, do it yourself, do it yourself. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? That place, which seems like a place of defeat, is actually a place of victory. It seems like a defeat, but it's a place of victory because you've defeated the flesh. You cease from trying to do it yourself, and you turn it completely over to Jesus Christ. I can't do this, Lord. I'm helpless without you. I can't do this. Oh, wretched man I am, who's going to deliver me from this death? Who's going to deliver me? You've given me the final victory at the cross. Who's going to deliver me? You've already delivered me. Let that sink into my life. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And as I yield myself to Christ, as the more I yield to Christ, the better it becomes. And the better I see, I am so insufficient. But he is more than sufficient. He is more than sufficient. In fact, he's even greater sufficient when I am insufficient. And it's fantastic as I give it all to him. Oh, but Dave, that's a crutch. You're darn right it's a crutch. It's everything. It's a crutch. It's a gurney. It's a, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. I don't care. I have to give it to him. I yield. And the forces that God's spirit uses, he makes it available to me. Do this, and I do it. Why? 
because the net result is this glorious and wonderful relationship we have with Jesus Christ. Paul said it, when I'm weak, he's strong. The weaker I am, the stronger he becomes. If I recognize my weakness, I can't do it, Lord, but you've done it on the cross. You took it all there. You died for me. You died for my sin. You're giving me life everlasting. You're giving me the abundant life right here. And I can't stand here and brag what I did. I can't even stand here and brag to you that I accepted Christ. I can't do that. I can't stand here and brag and tell you all the efforts that I'm doing, the hours I'm serving the Lord, the hours I'm back there studying. I can't do that. The only thing I can boast of is the cross of Jesus Christ. I can boast of nothing else. But you got to get to that point. you got to come to that point where it's that or nothing. Stop the battle. And what we've been saying all along, come up with settle it. Settle it. Christ's last words, his victorious cry, it is finished. Settle it. It's done. It's done. Oh, God forbid that I boast anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. God forbid that any of my boasting comes there. Because in the cross is my victory. We sang, used to sing that. The cross meant to kill is my victory. The cross meant to kill is my victory. I couldn't deliver myself. I couldn't stand before God. I couldn't stand before a holy, righteous God in my flesh. I couldn't do it. I couldn't deliver myself. But God, by his spirit, delivered me from the bondage of life after the flesh. And he set me free. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Amen? And now I can serve him in spirit. He's allowed me to come to the point of total despair. And God will do that for you. God will allow you to come to a point of total despair. He'll allow you to get to that very bottom so that you can look up and only see him and go like this. Help me. He allows you to come to that point. And you need to know that you can get to that point. There's no secret to it except yielding to Christ, submitting to him, submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, letting him lead you and guide you. A wretched man, I am, who can deliver me from this death? The very question that we ask is the fact that he is like questioning who indicates that the answer is outside of me. Who? Who? Jesus Christ. I love that. And he says that in verse 7, uh, verse 25, I thank God. Who shall deliver me? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God. It's Christ that has delivered me. It's Christ that has set me free. If Abner had acted towards God, had consulted with God, had, had gotten to, with God and allowed God to lead and guide him, this would not have happened and he won't die an untimely death, which he's going to do in a chapter or so from now. If he had sought the Lord, it wouldn't have happened. We have a flesh about us. There's a war. Flesh and the spirit are an enmity one. Enmity means they're battling control of the body. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this death? Jesus Christ. Thank God. You are The book of 2 Samuel is a continuation of David's journey to the throne promised him years before. It follows his life and relationship with God, with his family, and with the people entrusted to his leadership. David has much to teach you, and we encourage you to continue studying this Old Testament book. 
If you missed any part of today's teaching on Assure Hope, or if you'd like to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com today. Maybe today, as you were listening, you found you have some questions about faith and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions and start you on a journey that will change your life for the better. Give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. And while you're on our website, visit the page How to Be Saved to read all about the plan of salvation God set up long ago. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the area, join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. You can find directions and more information at assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook too. Just follow the link on our page to follow us. We're coming to an end of our time with you today. We're so glad you took the time to study God's Word today with Pastor Dave, and we hope you'll join us next time as we explore deeper into the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.